Hello and welcome to the ID Talk podcast. My name is Peter Counter and I am the editor in chief of Fine Biometrics, which is reporting live from ISC West in Las Vegas. On day one of the world's premier security industry conference, Fine Biometrics' director of digital media and events, Doug O'Gordon, caught up with Jake Parker, senior director of government relations for the Security Industry Association. Their conversation centers around the increasing role that biometrics are playing in the security industry and the impact new facial recognition laws are currently having. Parker and O'Gordon discuss possible next steps for the industry under this current legislative pressure and then look to the bright future of biometrics in access, authentication, and identity management. It's a great discussion at the intersection of identity and security. So without further ado, let's kick off our ISC West coverage with Doug O'Gordon in conversation with SIA's Jake Parker, recorded live in Las Vegas. Hi, uh, Fine Biometrics listeners, Doug O'Gordon here. I'm sitting down with Jake Parker. It's day one of the ISC West show. And uh, Jake is uh, head of government affairs. Is that your title for? Senior director of government relations. Senior director of government relations. Sorry about that. Jake and I have been talking on the phone about, you know, things going on in the industry. And I'm so glad to sit down with you. Um, What kind of impact will new facial recognition laws have on the security industry, do you think? So uh, I think, first of all, there, there is a lot of concern in the industry about facial recognition legislation, both both uh, the proposed bans of the technology, but also some <clears throat> pretty restrictive regulations. Um, at the same time, it, it's I think there's a misperception that that is very widespread. It really isn't um, at the moment. And you know, legislating on facial recognition is something relatively new. Um, technology itself not so new, uh, but it's been really become mainstream in a lot of different applications in the last couple of years. So, And that's due to COVID or regular, you know, COVID happening maybe? Well, it's really been the, the, the advent of um, using machine learning and, you know, neural network, you know, techniques over about, about five years ago. But um, really we're, we're, you know, we're seeing some states become interested in legislating on facial recognition. It's something SI has been following really closely. Um, you know, and we are actually seeing uh, a change in this, the conversation around this. Uh, you know, as the benefits of technology become more known and experienced by people, that we, we are seeing less of a desire among policymakers to flat out ban the technology, uh, which was definitely something that folks were concerned about, mm-hmm. um, you know, a year or two ago. So, in fact, uh, the most recent thing that's happened on this is uh, Virginia was the only only major state to impose a ban on facial recognition and it's just only relevant to law enforcement right so ban on law enforcement use last year um, and they legislators there became pretty concerned after that went into effect and it passed really quickly during their you know pandemic um, short session that they had and you know there's it became obvious that there was going to be a public safety impact to that and mm-hmm. so some legislators became concerned and worked with the law enforcement community and others uh, to try to get some workable rules in place instead of a ban. So they actually just, uh, that just cleared the legislature earlier uh, this month and it's headed to the governor for signature. So in this, this case, they're overturning their ban and replacing it with, with rules. That's great. That's good to hear. Um, 
What does the industry need to do to address people's privacy concerns and ensure that these new technologies are used in an ethical and constructive manner? So I think um, there is a, a real need for the, the technology providers themselves to um, put forward the you know policy policy templates and um, guidance to their end users as far as how to use the technology responsibly in a way that is protective of privacy, but also how to communicate that to you know customers or whoever the stakeholders are. Um, you know, I think once is a challenge because it's a complicated issue to explain complicated state by state right I mean but we found that more people know about the technology and how it works and what's really important is communicating the benefits that conversation becomes much easier like New Orleans just re uh, cinded their facial you know they they were catching they were it was actually working so they decided to overturn what they had passed right well they're considering it so that has the end of April um, the uh, there's city council scheduled to I like talking to you because I hear the news, but I don't know if it actually went through or not yet. So you're the one who's the eye, the eye in the sky. It's on the agenda. Uh, and the, the mayor and the uh, police department actually requested that there be a change to their ordinance was passed last year um, to allow facial recognition use for law enforcement purposes. Yeah. We could keep going on that one question, but I have one more question here that's... Uh, well, I wanted to say something else about this Go as ahead. As privacy concerns. So, um, you know, there is a, the, the conversation around privacy is really occurring within a broader context, and that is uh, data privacy laws. So there, there definitely is a need to protect biometric data like other personal data. And, you know, my understanding from, you know, talking to our members, folks in the industry, we all would like to see biometric data protected within that context of a broader data privacy framework, whether it be federal framework or state, you know, comprehensive data privacy legislation at the state level. Mm-hmm. I think that's the appropriate place. Like one database, pulling from one database. No, no. The, the as far as um, how like businesses and you know are, are able to oh use the technology. Use the, use the technology okay. information. I was thinking more about the where's the data secured. That's another question that's, we could ask, but no one has the answer to that one. Where do you think the data should be stored? Um, the biometric. Well, if we're if we're talking about you know facial recognition, it really is going to uh, vary by use cases. It might, so the way the way that I look at this, you've really got three. You commonly hear about two primary uh, types of applications, but there's really three. So one is verification, identity verification is typically a one-to-one uh, comparison, but it could be a one-to-many comparison to verify someone as who they say they are, you know, mm-hmm. to access something, typically, um, you know, even your phone, you know, but physical access, network access, uh, building access, things like that. Um, Account access, remote online account access. So identity proofing is definitely probably the most, um, the the fastest growing use case for facial recognition. Definitely hit a a bit of a a speed bump with the uh, IRS decision not to use that with with the program that they were using, which Mm -hmm. is really unfortunate because um, I think that could have been rolled out a little bit better. maybe avoided some of those issues, but, um, you know, there, there's a very active, uh, you know, lobby against technology that wants to ban it. They seized upon that immediately and were able to get some traction with some folks in Congress to send letters of concern and, and make sure mm-hmm. they made that change happen. Uh, but so, so there's verification, but then there's, um, you know, there's, there's identification. So there's a lot of different, you know, one-to-many type searches or, you know, queries 
Uh, you see that in um, uh, like travel, you know, applications, but also uh, uh, real-time screening, you know, either for security purposes or for uh, you know VIP recognition, all kinds of commercial applications beyond security. Um, and there's a, there's a lot to that to unpack, but. Really, the third the third use, and I consider it to be separate from the others, is the law enforcement investigations use case because they're not law enforcement in the U.S. The way it works, they're not really using that for verification or identification. They, what they're doing is whatever data they have access to to search, they're bringing up the top scoring potential match candidates for a probe image, and it, it's usually set where. Uh, maybe it's over a certain score, you get a set number of candidates over a certain score or something like that, but you're not, the, the software is not making a, any kind of decision as far as this is the, this is the person, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's a, it's really a different way of using the technology than the others. It's very difficult to articulate to folks. Yeah. That's, that's a, real, a lot of the misunderstandings about this for in law enforcement come because of those misunderstandings. Sure. Uh, with identity playing such an important role in the digital transformation and converged access control, what role do you see biometrics playing in the larger security industry over the next few years? How are biometrics going to be used? Uh, I, yeah, I think they're going to be used much more than they are now. And I think, uh, you know, especially with some of the modalities that don't require, um, you know, they allow a touchless interface. Um, you know, there's, there's facial recognition. There's also uh, touchless fingerprint uh, technology. Uh, that could be used for, for um, you know, access control or other applications. Um, I think that's really going to, uh, I think the use is going to grow, especially you know, you've got multi-factor authentication that needs to happen now with all the cyber threats we face. So. Yeah. Well, just looking at the show floor, I'm excited to get on it because I think uh, that's, that's, you know, you, your image of your show this year is a woman with a face uh, map on, you know, on, w with her phone, which is really interesting. Um, there's tons of access control opportunities with biometrics to uh, ID authenticate, you know, uh, frictionless mobile opportunities out there. Um, what's the best way for my listeners to, you know, find out more about SIA, find out maybe, uh, you know, find out what the government affairs people are doing to uh, help? Well, certainly something we're doing is uh, we're, we're going to be make a more concerted effort to put out updates and, and uh, you know, analysis of policy as it emerges uh, on biometrics, you know, on the CIA website. Uh, and, you know, you know, one example is we, we recently broke down all the details of the Virginia uh, legislation that I just mentioned. Uh, so we're going to do a more uh, concerted effort to, you know, do that. And Great. Also, you know, CIA members, we've got um, uh, a lot of interest from those that are producing biometrics to get involved in our various working groups that we have that are... Um, uh, New York Government Relations Committee is watching all these developments and weighing in. So, so with cyber, uh, thinking of cyber, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Like, is there a website they can go to? Um, where can they? Where can these? Where can my listeners go and get more info? Uh, sure, my my contact info is on our website under staff directory. So, okay, feel free to reach out. And that the website is uh, securityindustry.org. Securityindustry.org. All right. Well, Jake. Thanks for your time. Have a great show. And that concludes our interview with Jake Parker, Senior Director of Government Relations for SIA, the Security Industry Association. 
To learn more about the topics discussed in this episode, visit securityindustry.org. And for more identity and biometrics industry coverage straight from ISC West, stay posted to findbiometrics.com. I want to thank Jake for joining us on this episode, and thank you to Doug O'Gordon for conducting the interview. Our podcast theme music is by Logamrad. I have been your host, Peter Counter. Thank you for listening to the ID Talk podcast.